Yo, yo, yo. Hello, 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 ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls. Welcome to VUX World. I'm your host, as always, Kane Sims. And today we're going to have an epic conversation with Philip Bennett of Empire Today. Empire Today is one of the uh, one of America's largest direct-to-consumer shop-at-home flooring providers. And Philip Bennett is leading the customer service operations over there at Empire Today. We're going to be talking all about how Empire Today is using conversational AI to help improve customer experience, improve business processes, the challenges, the results, the value, and the tips and tricks that Philip would uh, advise you uh, to go through if you were going to do the same thing for your company. But before we do that, two things to mention. One is that if you are interested in scaling and excelling your customer experience maturity, you, the team, your organization, if you're looking for ways in which you can develop and become more mature, start to work on more advanced use cases, and if you're wondering what the best in the business do and how they do it and the processes they follow and the kind of things that they do on a daily basis, then you will be interested in this free workshop that I'm running alongside Cognigy. It'll be facilitated by yours truly and you will be taken through the process to try and establish what your current level of CX maturity is. And we'll go through a number of exercises that are geared to help you uh, level up your maturity, so to speak. So you'll be creating better customer experiences, be more confident and be upskilled as well. Go to vux.world forward slash Cognigy to register to that event. It's going to be, there's going to be two running. One is next week uh, on Thursday, forget the date. And the other one is uh, September the 1st. Uh, so there's two to sign up to if you are interested. VUX.world forward slash Cognigy. That's C O G I, sorry, C O G C O G N I G Y. There you go. I don't know if I've got a touch of dyslexia or whatever, but it's C O G N I G Y. And second, a shout out to our presenting sponsor, DeepGram. Uh, DeepGram has industry-leading speech recognition software and APIs that will allow you to build literally the most accurate speech recognition system that you could build with today's technology that is available from any provider. Uh, DeepGram uses deep neural networks and deep learning in order to create literally the, the highest degree of accuracy when it comes to speech recognition systems. You can also retrain their models. So if you're working on voice assistance in call centers, or even if you're working on transcribing calls, your specific customers will use certain types of jargon. Your industry may have its own type of jargon as well. Your company's products and services and all of that kind of stuff, accents and dialects and all that stuff really need to be tweaked and tuned the speech recognition so that you have a better uh, chance at understanding what's being said more accurately. You feed more accurate results and more accurate text into your NLU, which means that you can create better performing conversational assistance. So if you're interested in learning more about how DeepGram can support you in your speech recognition endeavors, go to deepgram.com forward slash VUX world. That is deepgram.com forward slash VUX world. Okay. Now then, without further ado, please welcome, ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, Philip Bennett from Empire Today. Philip, welcome. Hey, how you doing? Welcome. Thank you. Yeah, I'm good. I'm good. How are you doing? All right. I'm doing okay. It's a, it's a good day so far. Good, good. No complaints. Yeah, it's. Uh, I always have to shut the windows when I do these broadcasts so that you know there's no sound coming in, and also the neighbors are not kind of like you know listening in without uh, <laughs> watching, without listening, without watching the stream on YouTube or LinkedIn. And uh, <laughs> you know you got you got to participate on the right channels. You know what I mean, Phil? Uh, <laughs> but uh, but what ends up happening is that this time of day is the hottest time of day because this room's been heating up all day long. And so I oh, close yeah. all the windows. It's just like a hot box. It's crazy. 
<laughs> I feel for you. I really do. Yeah, yeah. But uh, thank you for joining us. Appreciate it. Definitely excited to get into this conversation. Um, yeah, maybe thank for, you for, for having the, me. No, no problem. No problem at all. Thank you for the time. Uh, maybe for the for the listeners who are not aware of Empire Today, it's always nice to maybe start with a little bit of context. What does Empire sure. Today do? And then more importantly, what is it that you do at Empire Today as well? Sure. So um, Empire Today uh, does carpets and flooring uh, throughout the United States. There, there are markets that we don't work in and we don't work uh, internationally at all. Um, mainly the markets that we work in are large major metropolitan hubs in the surrounding suburbs and areas out from there as far as that we can go. The logistics become you know, very difficult once you get more than you know, an hour and a half from a market. Uh, because that's where, you know, we're in, uh, deploying install teams from, from the markets, uh, sending salesmen out, things like that. And so logistics too far away from, uh, a market get, get a little complex, which is why, you know, you'll see our commercials, but we're not actually everywhere. Uh, one of the ironic things is the call center that I work in, uh, was in El Paso, Texas. We're now remote now, but, um, and ironically enough, that is not a market that we can support because it is too far from both uh, Dallas, which is the uh, major uh, hub in Texas, and uh, Phoenix, which is the Arizona hub. Um, and we're seven hours from Phoenix and 10 hours from Dallas. And a lot of what we do is based on, um, you know, just-in-time shipping, things like that, the logistics around it. And to get the carpet cut, delivered and ready to go, we would have to have a, a, a warehouse here. And so, and, and unfortunately for El Paso, there just is, it's, there isn't enough around us uh, really to support that kind of an effort. So uh, other areas in Phoenix, like Tucson, that, that can be done. And as far as what I do for them, I, I actually don't head up the customer service department, although I have done that in the past. Uh, my, my role was I was brought in to modernize the call center. So when I came in, we had a lot of stuff that was um, end of life as far as the technology stack goes. And the other thing is that we really had not scratched any of the digital channels. We actually didn't even have chat at the time. And, there, you know, there. Because of, you know, Empire is really famous because of their 800 number jingle. Um, that number 800-588-2300. Uh, if you grew up in one of our markets, uh, anybody that's watching the stream, that jingle's now running through their head. I, I apologize for that. <laughs> um, but it is marvelously effective, um, you know, for anybody when they think carpet. Uh, that's a number, if you grew up in one of our markets, that's a number that, that just occurs to you. And so, you know, it was a real awesome responsibility being brought in. <laughs> number one, to be entrusted with upgrading the phone system for that, because, you know, if the phones don't ring, that's not a good thing. So, you know, <laughs> but also to try and bring in a mindset that the world is changing and that, you know, there are a number of opportunities for us uh, not to disrespect the brand because that's not my goal at all, but to improve and really solidify the brand. So, you know, some of the things that we've done, you can now drop us an SMS at 800-588-2300. Great way to keep that number relevant, you know, uh, going forward into the future because we all know that people are making fewer and fewer voice calls you know, if they can possibly avoid them. There will always be a need for the voice channel, but, you know, the people are trying to migrate away from the voice channel as much as possible 
and we want to make sure we're where we're where our customers are at. Mm, interesting. There's a um, not everybody in the UK will appreciate this, but uh, in the UK, certainly in the Northeast, uh, there was this jingle from a garage that sold cars called mm-hmm. uh, South Cleveland Garages, and it used to have radio adverts playing all mm-hmm. the time, and the, the mm-hmm. theme tune was simply the best. And so it would be simply the best South Cleveland garages. Uh-huh. <laughs> and so anyone who's from like the northeast of uh, of the UK, every time that simply the best song comes on, the only thing that pops into your head and you can't help but think about South Cleveland garages. I probably heard that jingle before I was even aware of it being an actual song. <laughs> oh, I believe that. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, so yeah, it's mad. <clears throat> so I was I was also thinking. I've wrote about this in the past about weather. Those memorable ads that you see, you know, you've got Empire Today and the jingle for the number. You've got the South mm-hmm. Cleveland Garages. It's very niche, that one, though. But you've got yep. all of these kind of like um, signature ads. And it's just a wonder of mine whether the kind of automated channels ha- are capable of delivering experiences that can at least compare in part to those kind of more traditional channels. You've got nostalgia to deal with and you've got things like, you know, the song simply the best, which is an established song, really well produced, really well known and stuff. So there's a lot of other different dynamics, but whether or not a conversation with, you know, Empire Today over SMS or over the call, over the phone, uh, talking to a voice assistant, or maybe Empire Today in time has something where you can just talk to Alexa and order a carpet over whether this technology has the potential to create experiences that are as memorable as some of those kind of traditional advertising mediums. I don't know what you, what you'll think about that. Well, you know, it's kind of interesting that you, you talk about memorable experiences because generally speaking, most of the time when somebody reaches out to a company, um, you know, calling their call center. Uh, generally speaking, their their experience isn't memorable to start with. You know, they're they're coming in hot, pretty much. Um, now, in some of the other areas, I do believe that that it can be just as memorable. Um, the areas right now where we're exploring um, automation, AI, and digital channels. Um, are more for convenience communication. So to keep our customers up to date with the progress of their order, things like that, or to reach out and, you know, if somebody cancels their appointment, reach out and say, hey, if you'd like to reschedule, just click this link and it'll it'll launch the bot. And that's about to go live at the end of this month. We do have a bot. So the, the thing is this, what you really want to do, I believe, is is maintain those channels and keep as much um, low-hanging fruit off of them so that the voice uh, can be memorable. Uh, because not everybody really wants to talk to somebody when they when they are forced to pick up the phone. That's the only way to, to talk to you. Um, you know, there are a lot of things that people would prefer not to wait on hold in order to do. One of them, um, you know, confirm an appointment. Uh, you know, why wait on hold to get to an agent to tell somebody you're going to be available tomorrow between 10 and 2? And, you know, not only are you now taking the time between 10 and 2 out of their lives, but you're also taking the extra 10 minutes that it costs them to, you know, pick up the phone and call us. And by the same token, if there are a lot of people calling in to confirm appointments, somebody who's actually having a major issue might wait on hold for a lot longer 
And so, you know, we want to try and almost uh, uh, use customer-driven triage. So you decide the level that you want to interact with us, and we're ready for you when you do. Mm, nice. Where did you start then? So that all sounds nice, but when you mm-hmm. began at Empire Today, I'm assuming that wasn't the case. So Correct. Where did where did you start? You've gone in, you've gone into this um, fairly traditional company, relies heavily on its 0800 number. You're tasked with modernizing the call center. Where where do you begin a process like that? Um, ironically enough, the first thing I did was review our our disaster recovery um, uh, plans. That's the first thing I do anywhere I go. And then we started to look at the technology and determine what was the best way to move forward. And that sounds crazy, but the most critical component of a call center is actually being available to take calls. And so, you know, one of the things that we did was we assessed where we were at and then we determined where we wanted to be. And, and thankfully we did that because nobody could predict that there was going to be a global pandemic a few years after I got there. I mean, you know, my thoughts were what happens if there's a fire at the call center or, you know, somebody severs an internet connection. Um, you know, so that was, that was what we planned for. What we got was something completely different, but thankfully because we were moving in that direction, um, you know, we, we wanted to make sure that we were ready for just about anything. And we were very ready for the pandemic, even though that wasn't what we planned for. The first area that we looked at and started to sell was chat because chat was at the time and still is at the, now a, a mature digital channel that, that isn't, you know, really newfangled. I mean, you know, this has been around for 20 years uh, plus now. Um, people are familiar with it for good or bad. And, and I will say that I find a lot of call centers really don't deploy it well because I don't think they understand the medium well. Um, but the fact of the matter is people are at least very aware of it. And it's almost, you know, like email, it's almost a given that you need to have it. And so we brought, we brought chat in and then we started working on, you know, other things. So in the process of bringing in new, uh, a new phone system, you know, new platforms for different things, we went looking for other technologies as well to, to bring things up to speed. And, you know, we found some very interesting things. We were right at the very beginning of, of a lot of this whole AI stuff. And, you know, everybody, it's almost replaced omni-channel in in buzzword bingo these days uh, when you hear AI. But, and and the problem, I've heard this mentioned uh, by some experts in the industry. The real problem with, with when you say AI is that it's no longer really has any meaning. Nobody really understands what you're, what you're saying. I mean, AI is a series of computer algorithms Um, some that learn, some that don't, and that, you know, make things on the back end uh, easier. I mean, you know, it's all, we we kept hearing about, you know, the coming AI apocalypse. We'll we'll all be replaced by computers one day. Well, maybe, but it's going to take a long, long time. And and the reason that I say that is because AI doesn't have any empathy at all. You can try and program empathy into AI, but there's no customer on the other end that's actually buying it when the AI says, oh, I'm sorry you had that problem. You know, uh, all that's really telling the customer is, 
you have enough of those problems that you've actually programmed your AI to say that. <laughs> and so it's not really going to convince anybody that, you know, you're genuine about it. Uh, but what AI does is it remembers things. It remembers where to find things. It remembers how to do things and can present those things to an agent. And, you know, I can hire for empathy. Not every human has empathy either, but, you know, we can certainly hire for empathy. And then if you compare it with AI, um, it will make the agent better because the agent doesn't have to worry about where they have to go looking for these things. The AI is remembering that on the back end. The agent just has to remember to connect with the customer. And so, you know, that's a, a major use case for AI. Another major use case for AI is data dipping and, and uh, you know, data mining uh, all of the information in a call center. It's fascinating to me. We spend, you know, millions of dollars a year surveying people who've already spent uh, a, you know, a significant chunk of their time telling us exactly why they called because they told us on the call. And yet we'll send them out an email. Oh, what went right? What went wrong? You know, that sort of thing. And yet if we actually could just data mine that call, obviously you can't listen to every call that comes in, but if we can data mine those calls, pull that information out of it and AI can actually listen to every call that comes in then we can get actionable, <clears throat> excuse me, actionable intelligence uh, without necessarily, you know, bugging the customer. When you send out a, a survey request to people, you know, 90% of the time that's, that's going to be driven by how the customer is feeling, whether they respond or not. It's a self-selecting sample. And generally speaking, the ones that are the most driven to respond to us are not probably going to be the ones that said, hey, you guys did a great job. Now, it's very, very important to get those complaints. I value them tremendously because they allow us to see ourselves through the eyes of our customer and know what we need to change. But if we can do more and, and pull it out of the calls, then we'll get a much more holistic view of what's going on rather than being skewed, uh, you know, by a self-selecting sample. Mm, yeah, definitely. <clears throat> Was that old saying that if, if you have a fantastic experience, you'll tell two people. If you have yep. a terrible experience, you'll tell 10. If you have an average experience, you'll tell no one. Correct. So is You're absolutely correct on that. And one of the reasons why I always object when people talk about customer satisfaction you know, when you talk about CSAT scores, it's really a, an interesting thing because the truth of the matter is the very best experience for the customer is to be not memorable at all, to just get everything they need done and, and be gone. And, you know, I liken it to going to uh, your local coffee shop and walking through the door. And, you know, here's the thing. If you order a cup of black coffee or a cup of tea, you know what it's going to cost because it's up there on the board. When they hand it to you, you are utterly satisfied because you got everything that you wanted from that exchange. You got your coffee, the, the store got its money and sold their coffee and you walk out the door. But will you go back to that store if it involves, you know, driving 20 minutes or 15 minutes or something or, or walking three blocks when there's another coffee shop, you know, in the lobby of your building and when I was commuting back and forth to Chicago for a position, you know, I would come in once a month and spend a couple of days. And there was a Starbucks on the way to uh, or uh, my office, and I would always stop in. And when I stopped in, without fail, 
they would look up and they would say, hey, Phil, great to see you again. You know, can I get your regular starter? I said, absolutely. And, you know, then they would say something like, you know, we're sampling these cookies or we're sampling this product today. Would you like to try it? And, you know, and that becomes a very memorable experience and one that is so good that, you know, if I had the time, I would walk the three blocks to get to that coffee shop rather than go to the one in the lobby of my building. It's much more delight. And so, you know, that's a story that I've told to way more than 10 people. Um, <laughs> and I can tell you some, you know, I, I've had bad stories too. But to me, the, the good ones are the ones that stand out. They're the ones that are memorable. The ones that catch you by surprise that you don't see coming those are really the ones that create loyalty. So if you have to interact with the customer, you really want to make sure that you, you can make it as pleasant an experience as possible and really try and delight them if you possibly can. Mm, definitely. That's very good. Um, so we're, we're going to get on to the, the solutions that you've put in place as far as the conversational AI stuff. But first, I wonder if you can kind of summarize the, you mentioned, you know, the first thing you did when you got there is you looked at the environment, disaster recovery strategy, mm -hmm. you're looking at technology, you're looking at live chat, mm -hmm. then you're exploring kind of, uh, you know, these kind of conversational AI solutions. But I suppose the question is, why? Like, what were the problems that you found that live chat, chat and then subsequently chatbots, and I know you've got agent assist running there. Like, what were the problems yep. that you found that you thought these would be a good solution for? Well, the first thing is we didn't have any of them. So when I first got to Empire today, we were receiving roughly 50,000 phone calls a week um, and about 750 to 1,000 emails a month. So 250 a week approximately. And that was it. That was the only way you could contact us. And, and it's because we have, you know, that 800 number jingle you know, there was no reason for Empire to explore the digital channels, you know, in depth other than email. Um, in, in the early 2000s, when when everybody else was kind of playing in that uh, in that space, and you know, it it was true. It is driving the business, and there's no question about it. And I want to respect that. So the first thing you have to understand is that that is you know a major. Uh, function driving the business and we're not going to do anything that's going to, uh, you know, affect that brand in any way, shape or form. I mean, you know, we, we want to keep that pristine as far as things go. But I also understand, you know, in the last 20 years of being in the contact center space, I first started out in chat at a company called Options Express. And, um, you know, basically I was going to run the customer service department for them. I started in chat so that I could learn the business and learn the customers and understand, you know, exactly what we were going to, to need to put together for customer service. And, you know, chat has some major values that you can bring into play. We literally would train all of our agents in chat at, at this company. If you started with us, the first place you went to was chat. And the reason is you, the customer can't hear you say, hey, guys, I don't know the answer to this question. Can you help me here? Okay. And so the customer experience is much better. You don't have to put them on hold. It just takes you a little bit longer to answer the question. Um, secondly, it's real easy to literally stand over someone's shoulder and help them or jump in and take over a chat if they get, you know, caught up in the weeds or they don't know where to go. And so it's a great training tool for, you know, um, people working with the customers. Uh, 
at about six months, we'd make the decision if you were really good at chat and you could take multiple chats at one time, uh, we would leave you in chat. If you struggled with more than, say, four or five chats at a time, and a lot of people do, I, I'm good at four, I start to struggle at six. I mean, you know, things like that. Um, and the reason is because not every chat is at the same point in time. Um, you know, if, if you're really not good at it, we would migrate you to the phones because you know your stuff. You're good explaining things to the customers. So let's put you on a channel that's much more one-to-one -one because you really cannot multitask when you're uh, uh, on the phones. I mean, you can't have more than one conversation going at one time. And, and as a result, we ended up being very, very successful at the chat delivery that we had. I literally had an agent that could handle somewhere between 12 and 15 chats at a time. And people on the other end would not know it. Uh, she was fantastic. Uh, she also never wanted to go to the phones. And I told her I would be crazy to put her at the phones because, you know, I would lose all of that leverage and the ability to, to take care of my customers. And so, you know, it, it, the funny thing was back in those days, there really weren't any best practices for chat. Nobody, you know, people were making stuff up as, as we went along. And, you know, we kind of used that to our advantage. Um, coming into Empire, the thing is, you know, people do want to, to converse with chat. There's all kinds of use cases why people would want to chat with you. The first is they don't want to pick up the phone. They don't want to wait on hold. And they really don't want to talk to somebody. I mean, they just want to get some information back. And, you know, you can build FAQs to do that. And in some cases, we've now done that um, just to deflect away from some of the chat agents and, and so that they can handle the more important chats. But by the same token, there are things that, you know, let's say I'm sitting at work, I could be chatting with you very surreptitiously, uh, kind of sneaky, let's, let's just go with that <laughs> word, <laughs> so I don't butcher the word, but, you know, I, I, I can be uh, on the QT chatting with you uh, on the side while I'm doing my work and still get things done, and it's not a phone call, it has to be treated different with a phone differently than a phone call. And a lot of call centers really struggle with that sort of thing because we're driven by all of the call metrics, the average handle time, all of these things. And, and, and the thing to remember is it's a different form of communication. There's no skin off my nose if you don't respond within the next you know, minute, two minutes, five minutes. It really doesn't matter because I can be doing something else. I can be helping another customer while I'm waiting for you. And, I, you know, that's always been something that I've, I've believed, uh, you know, let the customer uh, do what they want. Let them talk to us as they need to uh, run it as asymmetrically as possible. And then now bringing in other asymmetrical channels, um, you know, that you, you kind of have to build on that. And, and I believe that's one of the areas where a lot of call centers struggle because they try and drive the metrics that they're seeing like the same way they would with a phone call. And it's a totally different, uh, different medium and it has to be treated completely different as well. Mm, interesting. So, so it sounds as though a lot of the exploration here was around you recognizing that customer behavior, broadly speaking in the world is changing and that actually there's probably some business benefit to starting to explore some of these channels because your agents can be doing five things at once or 15 things at once in the case, of, in the case of that person. Very few uh, people can do that. Trust yeah, me. Yeah. She, she must go to sleep and her head must just be spinning. Um, oh God, no, she was fantastic. <laughs> um, so, so what was your first, 
exploration of some kind of natural language technologies, conversational AI? Where where was your first kind of like experimentation with that kind of technology? So the very first exploration was with call guidance. And I don't know if I can use the name of the company, but the company was... Balto, is it? Yeah, Balto. That's yeah, we've correct. Had, we've it had Mark Balto. on the show quite a few, a few times. He's uh, Oh, yeah, I, I love Mark. Company. He's a great guy, yeah. Yeah, yeah. So, um, so our, that was our first uh, uh, deep dive into it. And interestingly enough, and, and I, I know you're, you're probably on LinkedIn, and, you know, every time you get a LinkedIn request, uh, you know, to, to connect, somebody's going to give you a sales pitch. But I, ironically, I met Mark on LinkedIn on a mess. It wasn't connected to me. I wasn't wasn't connected to him. And we were discussing this coming AI apocalypse. And, and, you know, I mentioned what I said earlier about, you know, pairing AI with agents. And he said to me, Hey, I'd really like you to take a look at this product. And I said, okay, great. I'm thinking I'm just sort of going to evaluate it, you know, bringing my, you know, experience in the call center world and, and you know, just give him some ideas. And so I, I set it up for uh, after work when I was driving home. And about halfway through the call, I said to him, I said, Mark, we got to have this call at work on a video call so that, you know, we can go through this because, you know, this is tech. At the time, that was technology that I had never, ever even heard of. I mean, mm-hmm. you know, I go to uh, call center conferences to try and get a, an idea of where the pulse of the industry is. Um, back in 2008, I remember going and looking for call transcription uh, uh, technology. And at the time, there was nothing. There was nothing that could listen to a call and transcribe it into text. Everybody was working on it, but it wasn't available at the time. And so, you know, this was a, a product that I'd never, ever heard of. And, you know, I was, I was working with Mark, and he was doing the demo for me. And, you know, I'll be candid, you can script a lot of these demos, um, you know, so you know what the outcome is going to be when you're doing the presentation. Um, But Balto actually kind of blew me away because we got to the end of the call. And uh, Mark said to me, he said, well, Phil, what do you think? And I said, (laughs) Mark, I said, I think you know what my next uh, uh, my next comment is going to be. And, you know, you and I both know because we're human beings. We've been in that situation before. We understand the context of the sales presentation. The next question, uh, you know, next question for me is, okay, how much? Because, you know, if it's very, very expensive, it's going to be nice. But I don't know that we're going to be able to do anything. It's very inexpensive. Hey, listen, sign me up. You know, and, and that's kind of how you do things. You and I know that. But what blew me away was Balto flashed. And it said, hey, it sounds like there's a, 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 a pricing objection coming here. Here are the top five ways to handle a pricing objection. And that actually blew me away because it actually understood the nuance and understood the content of the conversation, not just the words that were being said. And it was able to react and assist the agent, in this case, Mark, who didn't actually click on one of those links because I was so busy going, whoa, okay, you know, this is something we need to get. How much is it going to cost me? Um, you know, that sort of thing. And, you know, when, when the, Mark uh, presented to our board, he, he presented to all the C-levels, and, and one of my friends on the board calls me up. He's like, hey, Phil, have you seen this software? And I, 
you know, I, I look at lots of software. I said, uh, which one? He said, I don't remember the name. He said, but it was creepy as hell. It was like it read your mind. And he said, <laughs> but then it helped out and, you know, it made suggestions. I'm like, yeah, that was Balto. So, you know, yeah. And, and the interesting thing is we stood that up and we immediately saw, um, uh, you know, a dramatic lift in our agents' performances. Um, we saw a tremendous increase in the number of appointments that we were setting. Uh, and not just from your best agents. Actually, your bottom agents were moving up the, you know, the, the pile. And the reason was they were trusting Balto and allowing Balto to you know, help them deliver and, and help them work. And you know, it was a very impressive thing. And it was so impressive we now have it on all of our inbound channels. I've been trying to get it on, um, you know, any customer facing channel that we have, there are some limits to our, uh, our unified communication platform at the moment that are kind of holding us back, but hopefully we will solve those relatively soon so that every customer facing channel, um, is, is assisted by Balto because Balto helps keep a consistent voice of the company. And we always talk about voice of the customer, but voice of the company is very, very important. You do not want customers, you know, agent shopping, which is a very common practice. And, you know, if they don't get the, the answer that they're looking for, they'll hang up and they'll call back, hoping to get somebody less experienced or possibly that actually knows the answer to give them the answer that they're looking for. With a product like Balto in place, you don't have to worry about it because if the agent gives the wrong answer, Balto can say, well, wait. Here's the right answer and, and, you know, really help them out of it. You know, it can back them out of a bad situation. Uh, it also makes it easier for our agents to get on the floor faster. It's reduced our training time dramatically. And in a remote environment, it really helps because you can't just raise your hand or turn to the person next to you and say, hey, I don't know how to answer this question. Well, if Balto knows the answer to it, then it, it really speeds the, you know, the, the call up for the agent and really improves the performance of the agent. And so that was our first, um, our first experience. And the, the natural language understanding was really critical to Balto because up until then, every one of the voice analytics platforms I looked at, number one, were not real time. And number two, were heavily programmed. It, there wasn't natural language understanding behind it. The, the, you know, the care and feeding, the training of, of that type of uh, platform is actually very difficult. It is literally a full-time employee's job to make sure that the, the word databases are kept up to date, that, you know, um, all of the things that, that change, anything that you're looking for, you have to program into it. With Balto, we literally took 400 phone calls. We listened to them. We designated the top 20 as being excellent calls or good calls. The bottom 20 is being terrible calls and sent the rest of them, sent them all over to uh, Balto and they played them for Balto. And between that and a little bit of scripting on the back end, some keyword stuff, you know, that sort of thing. And basically putting call flows together for the agents, Balto actually understood what was going on. And not only that, continues to learn. So if one of your agents comes up with a particularly good closing line, you know, to overcome an objection, Balto starts to promote that objection handler so that the other agents are using it. Now, does it clone your best agent? Not really, but by the same token, it picks up the traits that your best agent has and encourages your worst agents or 
you know, those agents that aren't as effective as that best agent and moves them in, in the right direction. We used to have contests, you know, whichever agent got their, uh, their line promoted by Balto that day would win a prize. <laughs> and so, you know, that really blew me away. And it actually opened up my understanding of, you know, just what, you know, natural language understanding can, can do for an AI. I mean, we all remember, you know, the, the Microsoft incident in 2016 where the AI went off the rails because it learned just too much. I also remember Smarter Child in 2004, which, you know, was a, a similar uh, bot that was designed to, you know, uh, simulate real people. And, you know, as long as you can pen it in so it doesn't get real crazy, uh, that natural language understanding really makes a difference in helping um, our agents and in, you know, speed to market with the product and getting it on the floor. Mm, nice. A lot of that stuff sounds, it sounds as though the agents are having a happier time. It sounds mm-hmm. as though it's been a, a fun process, which is usually not the case for some agents who think that AI is coming for their jobs, so to speak, but sounds Correct. like having competitions and who can get their kind of objection handler fed into Balto and that is, is, a, is a fun way of gamifying it. What are some? I know that sounds good, and inevitably you've got a consistency with Balto providing consistent answers for every agent, no matter their skill level, which is then a more consistent customer experience and stuff. But what are the like the I suppose the hard metrics that you use to when you're analysing the success or otherwise of that agent assist project? If someone was going to implement Balto tomorrow or another agent assist solution tomorrow what would you tell them to measure to judge how successful it is? Well, in, in the first case, we brought it in um, for sales. And so that was really easy because we could measure um, uh, the increased lift uh, in, in the number of appointments that we set and the number of sales that we saved because both of those were, were things that our call center handles. Uh, you know, if you want to uh, cancel your order, we're going to ask you why and just see if there's something that we can do to assist you. Well, Balto assisting the agents made them much more effective uh, in doing those. So those are the first, you know, understand why you're bringing it in. It needs to be brought in for a targeted reason, okay? Um, very specific use cases, you know, just buying AI is not going to solve your problems. You have to know what those problems that you want to address are beforehand. And so, you know, once you start seeing the results around that, you know, then you can, you can start looking at other aspects of it. And the first aspect that we looked at and that we ran into, we did have agents that said, I'm not going to have some sort of machine tell me what to do. I know what I'm doing and I've been doing it. And, you know, the supervisors came to me and they said, you know, what do we do about this? I said, we don't worry about it. And they said, well, what do you mean? And I said, I can't think of a better test for this software than to have agents who refuse to use it because they know better and then compare them to the agents that bought in because they were on the bottom of the the pack and they wanted to get to the top and they bought in and gave it a try. And that's exactly what we saw. Um, You know, and I said to the supervisor, it really doesn't matter if they ever buy into it or not. Um, You know, the fact of the matter is if they go from being a top performer to a bottom performer, they're going to have to deal with that. And if they can't see that, that, you know, the one thing that's changed has been Balto um, and start buying into it, 
then I don't know what really I can do to help them, you know, understand how to improve themselves. And, you know, those sort of things did play out uh, in the beginning with Balto. Um, and, and, you know, we, we, we actually talked to one agent uh, at her annual review and she had gone from being a bottom performer to a top performer. And we said to her, you know, what do you attribute this change to? And she said, I have no idea. She said, you know, the training hasn't changed. Nothing has changed. Everything is exactly the same as it was before. I'm just all of a sudden doing better. And we said, well, what do you think? Do you think maybe Balto had a difference? And she said, oh, no, I don't think Balto made a difference. She said, you know, it, it tells me to slow down. It tells me to listen to the customers, but it, it's just, it's more of kind of a nag, you know, and it'll make suggestions. But, I, you know, I don't really see it. She, she literally didn't even see. She was so bought into it that she didn't even realize that was the only thing that we had changed. That was the only difference maker uh, that she had. And so we started seeing those things. And those are the next things that you want to look at. You want to look at agent performance and you want to look at the metrics. Once we determined the value and put it on the inbound side of it, then we started to do other things with it. So here's the benefit. Balto listens to every single call that comes into the call center. So before our, our supervisors would, you know, be tasked with listening to, you know, five calls a week per agent. Well, I got to tell you, when, when an agent's receiving, you know, we get 50,000 calls a week, we have about 200 agents. That's a ton of calls. And if you're only listening to five of those, your odds of actually hitting something good or something bad is very, 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 very slight. The difference with Balto is now Balto does the Q&A, scores our calls, and presents to the supervisors those calls that they need to listen to, to perform, you know, to coach the agents and make them better. And, you know, we're working on their latest module, which is uh, real-time uh, coaching assistance, so that the coaches are, are actually, you know, they're in the moment trying to help out the agents because the, the problem with coaching an agent, you bring an agent off the floor and, and they're there for, you know, 15 minutes. If you're lucky, you go over the call, you do a little bit of role play, you send them out on the floor and three calls later, they're making the same mistakes they were when they, when you pulled them off the phone, no fault of the agent. They simply fall back into their normal habits. It takes much, much longer to change habits. And so, you know, we're now working with Balto to try and guide the agents in the call. Okay, we, we've just coached you on this. Now, if you start to slip back into it, we're going to remind you, hey, you know, don't do that. <laughs> do this instead. And, and, and again, it makes the coaching process, first of all, it's more impersonal. Coaching can get very personal at times. And, you know, so it's, it's very impersonal. Balto's not, you know, uh, giving you a hard time, Balto simply assisting you in, in your call. And, and that's, you know, really very important. And so it's allowed us to listen to all of our calls and really try and focus on the areas where we have a problem, whereas before we probably would never have known about those unless mm. we were very lucky. Nice, nice. I think that's a good example of, of agent assist done, right? I mean, there's a lot of agent assist technologies out there, and I think some of the early adopters like of – I won't name solution providers in particular, but I've heard of a lot of them going south. And I think what mm -hmm. Balto has that's, that's unique is that they've kind of just productized that one thing. It's not a horizontal yes. platform that tries to do chatbots and tries to do voice bots and tries to do NLU and tries to do all this stuff. It, it's productized the one thing of agent assist, which means that if that's all you do, 
you've got a better chance of, of making a success of it, which is uh, which is really good. Um, so so that was your first experience with yes. conversational AI and NLP solutions. You mentioned live chat, and you mentioned yep. Bolto. You've all, you've already explained how valuable it is having Bolto ingest all of your phone conversations. Yep. You've got live chat conversations happening with the same level of data as far as how granular the data is and also how broad it is in terms of covering all of the issues that your customers have. A gold yes. mine of data sitting there in the live chat uh, module uh, or database did you do anything with that data to, to then turn that into an automated chatbot style thing? Yes, or we have. What was, what was the next? Yes, we have. So we we did. So we were doing straight chat, and I really was exploring the bot situation there, and I, I really wanted to understand it better. And so I spent a lot of time, you know, analyzing bots and and you know doing demos and things like that. And, and I do agree with you, when companies focus on one thing, they tend to do it better than companies that say, hey, we offer you everything for everything you ever need. And sometimes that gets a little bit wonky. But so our, our chat provider was very similar in that, that they, that's what they do is chat. Now, I don't have um, as much of a way to data mine, but we did bring in a chat provider that was able to data mine for us. And, and so they were able to produce FAQs. What are the most commonly asked questions that our customers uh, uh, want to use? The other thing was, um, again, our primary goal is to increase the number of appointments that we set. And so we started building a chat bot to set appointments. Now, that, that actually ran into a lot of um, resistance because that appointment setting process is critical to our underlying business. Nobody wants to jeopardize the number of appointments that we were setting. Uh, we ran into this when we first put chat on, on the website because we had this uh, very rudimentary chat bot called Don't Wait, Don't Go. Um, and basically, if you went up to X off the website, it would pop up a window and say, wait, don't go. You know, if you fill out the application, we'll give you a, a discount uh, on, on your, you know, any carpet that you might purchase or any flooring that you might purchase. And it would get about 6% of the people not to go. And, and they were they were thrilled about that. Um, we finally got them to allow uh, agent uh, chat in. Uh, and I finally got them to get rid of that chatbot because it kept making our agents look bad because there was nothing else programmed into it. That was it. So if you asked it any other question, it simply would respond, oh, give us a call at 800-588-2300. And I'm like, no, 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 no. You know, we want, we want the customer to be confident that the chat agent knows what they're talking about as well. And of course they do. They're the same people that answer the phones. I mean, you know, that, that's, and, and that was, that was kind of funny because when initially, they wouldn't let us put chat on any more than the homepage and the contact us page. And I said, okay, great, I'll take it because I just wanted to get it launched. But I said, why wouldn't we put it on the other pages? I said, that's really the best practice. And they said, well, what happens if somebody asks you in chat, you know, about wood flooring? And I said, wait a minute. I said, what do you think happens when they pick up the phone and ask us about wood flooring? The same agent answering the question. The difference is if the agent doesn't know the answer, they don't have to put the customer on hold while they find it. They simply take a little bit longer to answer the question, but the question gets answered. And so it's a better experience. And, you know, so we leveraged that um, information. And finally, COVID was what drove us uh, to the point where we could uh, open up the chat bot and, for appointments. And 
we saw something very interesting and something I'm still not sure I understand because <clears throat> initially the biggest question that I had was, do our customers really want this? You know, they're conditioned to call the 800 number. Do they really want a chatbot helping them set up an appointment? Well, as I mentioned before, uh, our chat agents outperformed the 6% lift that we were getting from the first bot we had. They were performing at about a 15% uh, conversion rate, closing the number of, uh, uh, you know, appointments setting. The chatbot has been running now for six months. And in that time, we're seeing a conversion rate over the entire six months of 25%. That's 10% higher than our live agents were doing. And wow. if the chatbot fails, it's going to roll back to those live agents. So they have another shot at, at closing that. And so, because usually why it fails is because they don't have a date that they want or, you know, something like that. They, they can't get the appointment set. So, <clears throat> you know, it, it's really changed the dynamic of the appointments that we're setting because First of all, nobody's taking these appointments. This is being done by the chatbot. So, mm. you know, this isn't taking any time out of anybody else's day. And I don't know why we're seeing that conversion rate, but it's it's prompted me to start looking and try and discover exactly why we're seeing that. Because there might be things that we can improve in our our processes that that might make a difference. There might be things that we're missing there. And so, you know, it, it, it's become a fascinating test bed for us. And the neat thing is you can very quickly run A-B testing to try something out and see if it performs better or not. And if it doesn't, mm. shut it down quick and move on. But if it does, then you can look into making changes based on that information. And so that has been a truly valuable tool and has driven so much that we now have, you know, uh, where's my sales rep? Uh, we now have FAQs on there so that people can log in. They can get the answers to their questions without necessarily talking to a live agent. But if at any time, you know, they want to, they can go to an agent. Or if at any time the chat fails, it'll be delivered to an agent and a live agent can assist them. Again, they don't have to be on the phones waiting on hold to get to this. All of this is instantly interactive. Mm. Do you use any kind of like um, one thing you could look at is the time it takes to book an appointment on the on the live chat versus the chatbot. If you've got one agent that's handling five conversations, it might take slightly longer to book the appointment. And if it's a bit of an impulsive appointment, the chatbot might be quicker. The other thing might be <clears throat> if you use any shortcuts like carousels or clickable buttons and stuff like that that mm -hmm. might streamline the interaction a little bit if it's like select a time select a date kind of thing that might help speed things up or lower the friction something like you're that. correct and those are the things that we're looking at and you know because here is here's the thing ultimately that pipeline is the end goal you know <clears throat> we know that you know if x amount of people call us we will be able to set X amount of appointments. We know that for every appointment that's set, X amount of those will actually go on to purchase carpet. And so, you know, it, it's really important if you can increase the flow into the pipeline, um, you can increase everything along the back end as well. And, you know, so looking at it to, to try and determine, um, and I will say this, when we built it, we built it slightly different than the process that the age, live agents use. Um, and we hadn't intended to do that. It was just easier for them to build it out that way. 
And so now we're looking at it. We want to run an A-B test for the live agents to see if changing it up the way that we're doing it might make a difference to the live agents as well. The other thing that, that comes up is maybe the bot doesn't get sidetracked. Maybe the live agent, you know, tends to go off in a tangent when somebody says something rather than the bot, which just keeps everything flowing until you get to the end and you go ahead and, and finish the, uh, the appointment booking process. We're not certain, but, but it's given me something to, you know, really start digging into and start asking questions about. And to me, that's really, I mean, all of this is, is driving data. All of this is feeding information to us. And I, I don't know of a place where there's more data created um, that can drive business outcomes than a call center. I mean, mm. every metric is looked at, every single one of them. And, you know, it, it's, but but even more, there are, there is information that we are getting, like I tell you, data mining, you can data mine all the, all the information from our calls. And if you can run it through a matrix that can actually analyze it, you can get an awful lot of information out of it that can be used to drive the bottom line of your business going forward. Mm, definitely, definitely, and and it's you've touched on some of this this already. But for for um, those that are looking at doing something like a chatbot, you've mentioned there that the results was it's booking appointments twenty percent or ten percent better than uh, live agents are, which means you book more appointments. Uh, there must be some degree of a customer experience benefit because it's going to be on twenty four seven, where the agents Correct. are only working during during work hours and stuff like that. But how are the how are how have you been judging the success of that? Like, if someone was going to launch something themselves tomorrow, in the same question, basically as I asked about the agent, says, how would you tell them to measure the impact that it's having? It's that's a great question, and you know the interesting thing is we went into it with some preconceived notions. My first preconceived notion was that the bot would underperform versus a live agent. Okay. And so you know, I expected it to be good and be close, but to actually underperform versus a live agent. And when we saw it overperforming, um, that's when we started really asking questions because that surprised me. And, and I think what you have to do going into it is set up, what you believe your expectations are going to be and you know, whether that's value. So to me, if we could get a bot that performed almost as well as a live agent, but deploy it on more than just our website. So maybe, you know, in banner ads or things like that. Uh, and you mentioned Alexa and that's an, uh, an area that we, we are looking at and would love to tie into. Um, but you have to, you kind of have to crawl and then walk and then run. Um, and we're really just coming out of the crawling stage as far as I'm concerned. So you don't want to take on too much. That's the other thing that I would recommend to anybody starting this up. Be very focused, be very direct, make sure your technology on the back end is in line. That took us the longest was our CRM was, is, is very old and it didn't have a whole lot of APIs. So we had to expose the APIs for, for the chat bot to work with. Um, but once we did that, the nice thing is now we can leverage those APIs for other things. So if we ever get around to bringing a voice bot in, I could very quickly set up a voice bot 
so that we could proceed and, uh, you know, have the appointment setting bot be triggered by voice rather than, uh, than, than text. So, you know, those are kind of the things that you want to, you know, have an idea of what you want to do in the future going forward, bring in the technology that you think, you know, will either get you started or, or, you know, um, can do everything that you're looking for. Sometimes that's harder because that tends to be much more expensive. Um, but, you know, bring it in and then, you know, set up your parameters, turn it on, see what you get, and, and then, you know, adjust based on that. And, and that's really what we've done. And it's kind of hard because y- you have to be willing to say, oh, well, that didn't work. We need to move in and do something else. Um, you know, our, 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 where's our appointment uh, or where's our sales rep bot? It works. It works better than the the original process. Uh, there just isn't a whole lot of demand for it. We thought there would be much more demand for it. There just isn't. So, but we found that out, and and now we know. And and so you know, looking at those things, um, you can take that data back and plan out where you're going to move next um, by setting up little trials like that, and then moving into the areas where you can get the biggest bang for your buck. Mm, nice. Yeah, it's it's a cultural thing sometimes, that isn't it? Where you've got some companies that only want successes and f- like tried and tested things, and they don't really want to experiment. Whereas it sounds as though you've done a lot of work there in a traditional organization to bring the organization to the point where you can launch a bot that may well not work the way that you expected or wanted, but that's still fine because you've learned, you've got learnings from it, and you can move on you know having gathered that learning and experience and i think that's kind of the only way to do this really is to start taking steps take small steps learn at every opportunity and over time you'll get better you'll improve the results will be better uh and and you're away to the races basically so it sounds Correct. like you're doing some, yeah it sounds like you're doing some really good stuff and uh yeah long may it continue and thanks thanks for joining us i appreciate it the, the insights have been absolutely fantastic thank you so much I really appreciate it too. Thank you very much for having me and I've enjoyed sharing. And if anybody has any questions, um, you know, I'm happy to, to respond. So just send them over to me and I'll, uh, I'll, uh, be happy to respond to them. Nice one, Phil. That's, that's an absolute, uh, diamond. Thank you so much. Uh, don't forget boys and girls, vux.world forward slash Cognigy. If you do want to take part in our free workshop on customer experience maturity coming next week and on the 1st of September, uh, it's completely free. It's about two hours long. Be prepared to roll your sleeves up because you're going to be actually doing some work. Uh, it's not kind of like, uh, sit and passively consume. You have to roll your sleeves up and, uh, you'll get out of it what you put into it, but it's vux.world forward slash Cognigy. And we look forward to seeing you there. Phil, it's been an absolute pleasure. Thank you so much. Thank you so much. I really appreciated it.